Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. The calendar is about to flip to December, which means one thing, tax planning. Well, perhaps most folks actually are a bit more immersed in the holiday season, and rightly so, but as we're going to talk about today a little bit, it probably makes sense to set a few hours aside to evaluate your tax position before the year ends and either take some action or at least begin to prepare for next year uh, to have some good things lined up. Good afternoon, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and today we're going to we're going to squeeze in as much content as we can on this very important topic of year-end tax planning. Uh, because of the size and complexity of, of this subject, I've enlisted not one but two exceptional guests for the discussion. Uh, first, I'm pleased to welcome back to the podcast uh, Ted McGinn. Ted is, of course, the managing partner at Lavelle Law. And uh, for the first time, Ben Soldinger, a CPA and partner at LJ Soldinger Associates. Uh, we've got a lot to cover. Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Jim. Good afternoon, Jim. Um, ben, I'm going to start with you and welcome you to the program. First, let, let me ask you a kind of a clarifying question up front, and, and that is, is it too late to impact this year's taxes or are still things people can do to improve their tax position for the current year? No, actually, right now is a very good time to uh, really start uh, doing your planning, and uh, you, ha- you certainly have enough time before the end of the year to uh, make some strategic transactions and strategic moves in order to save a significant amount of tax liability. It's uh, 1231 is really the deadline to uh, do your planning. And after the end of the year, there's nothing that you can do. So like Ben said, if you're going to do something, you've got to take action now. You can't put it off much longer, though. Well, let's talk about some of those specifics. One of the things I learned very early on for me was with the benefit of deducting home office expenses. Is that a good place for some people to start to take a look? It is. Um, it's it's a, a legal deduction for you to take, and a lot of people overlook that. Uh, a lot of people don't even know that there is a home office deduction expense that you're allowed to take, and the rules uh, dictate where you have to have an area of your, your home which is strictly an office space. And you take a percentage, a square foot of the office space versus a square foot of the whole home, and then you're allowed to uh, take all the deductions for all your utilities, your your water, your cable, your internet, uh, your garbage, your insurance, your homeowner's insurance, uh, the percentage to your real estate taxes, to your uh, home mortgage interest. And, uh, you know, you can go into uh, deducting all the uh, depreciable uh, uh, office equipment, too, the tables, the chairs, uh, office supplies, you know, printers, paper, uh, printer ink. I mean, you can really take some significant deductions if you haven't been doing that already. And in terms of actual expenses, uh, you know, I've had clients over the years that have, uh, in the course of a good year, sort of looked ahead and say, look, I'd like to prepay some expenses for next year to get them off the books and make next year look even better. Are there, are there ways that people can do that to maybe prepay a few things and still get them deducted in this year? Yes, especially if you're a cash basis taxpayer. You know, if you have a, uh, a small business, 
Uh, if you get uh, income through a K-1, being an S-Corp or an LLC, uh, and you're a cash basis taxpayer, yes, you can. The only thing that matters to the IRS is uh, the bottom line where, where you uh, pay money uh, in cash. So um, you can prepay your rent, you can prepay your insurance, you can prepay all your, your accounts payable, um, all the way down to the bottom line. You can, you can uh, take a loss. And uh, if, you ha if you can create a significant amount of a loss, then you can actually carry back uh, to previous years and, and uh, get back some of the taxes that you've already paid in previous years. It's a great, great uh, uh, tax planning thing to do. But again, you have to start right now uh, over the next week or so to start doing this sort of planning on what, what you can afford. You maybe you need a line of credit. Uh, maybe maybe uh, you take some money out of your own uh, checking account, savings account, and prepay these expenses. And the great thing is you get the, the uh, tax savings, and then you don't have to pay anything for a few months for your normal um, run-of-the-course expenses. Yeah, that can be a real advantage. And I think one of the other things, minor thing perhaps, but but I know a lot of people overlook it, partially because they probably don't keep good records, but uh, our charitable the, the non-cash charitable deductions. Can can people take advantage of things like, you know, clothes, electronics, other things that they donate throughout the years to some of the organizations in the area? Yeah, absolutely. That that's a good that's a good point, Jim. Yeah, it's uh, if you are itemizing your deductions as an individual, um, a lot of things that people don't think about is uh, you know right before your end. You know, you have a whole wardrobe. Your family has a whole bunch of old clothes that uh, you really need to do some. Uh, some uh, uh, cleaning and, uh, you know, just uh, take an inventory of all these things you want to give away, uh, take it to the local uh, uh, shelter somewhere, take it to a Goodwill, and uh, make sure you get your receipt, make sure you have good records of everything that uh, you are giving away. Um, you can give away uh, furniture, you can give away cars, and uh, it, it, it could be a significant uh, deduction that uh, that that uh, you can get without paying any cash. It's just uh, it, you can really uh, it can really add up. Ted, Ted ben, ben mentioned something there a couple times now uh, that I heard him reference, which is keeping good records. And I, I want to talk further about corporate returns with Ben. But I know you and I have talked in the past about IRS enforcement and keeping records. What's what's the current status right now of the IRS audit efforts? Yeah, well, it is true. Audits have been in the decline for a number of years. However, I still think that's not the time to relax. I still think you need to be prudent as a taxpayer, whether you're an individual or a corporation. Uh, and I, I look at two different areas in these audits that, that seem to be problematic for people, and that's uh, deductions, and that's also sale of assets. And, and really commenting on deductions, it comes down to substantiation. You have to have uh, solid documentary evidence to, to substantiate the deduction, the position that you're taking on that tax return. Um, and that, it, that would include third-party invoices, also canceled checks. You need to maintain those, those records. And then when you get into sale of assets, the big issue is often the basis in that particular asset. You know, that when, you, when you sell an asset, you, get, you take a position on the return of what your taxable gain would be, or a loss for that matter, and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, the, the, the price on the asset you sold is easy enough to substantiate, but usually the challenge is trying to go back and substantiate what your basis would be in that particular asset. And that may entail going back 
a number of years. So if you're not organized as a taxpayer and you don't have those records, you may be in a difficult position trying to demonstrate what your basis is on that particular asset. And, and I think any of us yeah, would you know, always want to do what we can. Just to follow up there quickly on, in terms of avoiding an audit, Ted, and I don't want to simplify it, but does it just make good sense to say, look, make sure your tax preparer is just on the right side of the law, do the things that the IRS requires, and, and you should certainly reduce your risk? Well, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, you know, positions that you could take on a tax return. And, uh, you know, so you, you say, you know, you want to be on the right side of, of, the, of the issue. Sometimes uh, it's, it's unclear of what the particular, you know, position you should be in. I, I, as long as you're acting in good faith and you got substantiation to back up your position, you should be fine in any sort of audit. Now, uh, you know, you want to take an aggressive position, I think, in that situation, your uh, CPA or attorney should educate the client on the position they're taking, and that client's got to be able to accept that particular risk in the event of an audit. Uh, Ted McGinn is the managing partner at Lavelle Law. We're chatting with him along with Ben Solinger, a CPA and partner at LJ Solinger Associates. Uh, we've got a lot to cover here in terms of year-end tax planning and some things that you can do to improve your position. We'll, we'll never get to it all, so let me point you to their websites, first of all, for further assistance. You, you know, I've, I've mentioned LavelleLaw.com many times on previous podcasts. Great spot for articles and information. Um, and uh, you'll find Ted's contact information there. And for the first time, I uh, recently visited uh, Soldinger.com and found it to be a very comprehensive, very informative site as well. So uh, visit there if time permits, and uh, we'll talk to Ben a little bit further about getting in touch with him. But, Ben, Let's let's turn our view here to the corporate world. Any any quick thoughts for uh, corporate entities to improve their position at the end of the year? Yeah, you know what? Um, uh, Ted brought up a really good point about uh, keeping track of your basis in, in your assets, and uh, you really got to uh, you know uh, for uh, corporations, uh, uh, LLCs. Um, the, the, I, the most egregious mistakes that I've seen when I get new uh, clients is that they don't take um, consideration in the basis of their own companies. And the way that you determine basis is the uh, money that you put in to uh, your, your company when you initially started, that, that is your basis. If you put $100,000 into your new company, you start with $100,000 of basis. And then depending on uh, your income or loss, uh, you subtract your income or loss from your basis year to year. And same thing, if you're taking distributions out of the business, you are losing basis. If I can jump in real quick too, what I see happening a lot of times is a, a client's gonna sell their shares of that stock or that, that business that may be several years down the road, and a lot of times they don't have any idea what their basis is. You know, so it's important to kind of keep those records throughout the life of the business. Very, very important. Yes, thanks. That's a good point. And um, uh, what a lot of mistakes that I've seen is that you might have a corporation that is losing money uh, year to year, and all of a sudden you run out of basis. And then when it comes to time for the end of the year to report your taxes, you may have a $100,000 loss that you're expecting to have a $100,000 deduction because you have no basis in your company. You uh, don't get that deduction, and you'll probably pay a lot of money in taxes. So there are a lot of ways to gain basis before the end of the year. And uh, obviously, uh, the easiest thing is to put money in, loan the company money, you know, if, if you're if you're uh, down a uh, hundred thousand dollars, 
you can put $100,000 in. If you don't have $100,000, maybe you can get a, uh, a line of credit before the end of the year, and uh, uh, you, can, you can loan it to the company and then pay, pay the line of credit right back at, on January 1st just so you have your basis by, by the end of the year. So there are a lot of ways to get your basis. And, uh, uh, you know, even if you've missed out in, in, in previous years and you, and you got surprised, you can strategically plan the, the following year to create such a huge net operating loss that you can go back a couple of years and pay the, and, and get the taxes that you that you previously paid. So it's it's not all for loss, but you got to determine this right now before the end of the year. And Ben, but before we let you go, we got a minute or so left here. But I, I know as a business owner, we all tend to absorb some amount of unreimbursed expenses every year. Things that just kind of come and go. Are those areas we should be paying more attention to? Oh. Most definitely, yeah. And and there's uh, two certain ways to uh, go about recording your unreimbursed expenses. If if you are again uh, a tax uh, uh, individual taxpayer and you uh, are are paying for expenses, let's say you're taking a client out for dinner and you don't get re- reimbursed by your company, or you're taking some uh, traveling, or you have your car or something that you can depreciate. You know, there's all these there's all these um, different re- unreimbursed business c- expenses, and usually a normal taxpayer will put that on their itemized deductions. However, there's a 2% floor that you have to, um, uh, that, that you have to go above, and the 2% floor is, is to your adjusted gross income. So whatever your adjusted gross income is, you take 2% of that, and so whatever that number is, your expenses have to be above that number. Now, however, if you are getting your income on a K-1, you, a lot, and I see this as a lot of errors too, is you can take your uh, unreimbursed business expenses and actually put that on your K-1 in addition to uh, the preparation of the K-1. You can put those expenses on your K-1 on the tax forms and uh, you can take 100% of those unreimbursed business expenses. So I know a lot of K-1 income people don't really consider that, uh, and they, or they'll put it as an itemized deduction with the 2% floor. So uh, for all you K-1 income guys, you can take 100% of your unreimbursed business expenses. Well, clearly just uh, the tip of the iceberg today in terms of uh, what we can cover for year-end tax planning. I've enjoyed having Ted McGinn of Lavelle Law and Ben Soldinger of L.J. Soldinger Associates with me today. If you want to continue the conversation with them uh, relative to your specific needs, LavelleLaw.com for more details. Uh, they will be there to help you out and answer questions for you, and we certainly thank you for being with us and uh, enjoying this episode of Chicago's Legal Act.